Judges chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Jephthah is illegitimate. 2. And Gilead's wife bore him sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of another woman. He's not even considered a brother, because he's the son of a prostitute. 3. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren, and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain fellows to Jephthah, and they went out with him. And now Jephthah is hanging out with immature youths. 3. And it came to pass after a while that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. That's the Ammonites that are descendants of Lot, and they're also pagans. 5. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. They must know that he's a good fighter. 6. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our chief, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. 7. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me, and drive me out of my father's house? And why are ye come unto me now, when ye are in distress? So he's saying, You kicked me out of my homeland, because I'm the son of a prostitute, but now you're coming to me because you want help. 8. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore are we returned to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight with the children of Ammon, and thou shalt be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. They're swearing allegiance to him if he fights for them. They must know he's a really good fighter, and they're willing to make him their lord now. 9. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me back home to fight with the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, I will be your head. He's saying, you have to guarantee that I'm going to be your leader if I go back to fight. 10. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord shall be witness between us. Surely according to thy word, so will we do. They have agreed to that arrangement. 11. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and chief over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. He's already ruling them, even though he hasn't fought Ammon yet, the Ammonites. 12. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me, that thou art come unto me to fight against my land? He's saying, Why are you trying to attack us? 13. And the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers, Because Israel took away my land when he came up out of Egypt, from the Arnon, even unto the Jabuk, and unto the Jordan. Now therefore restore those cities peaceably. The Ammonites are saying that the Israelites had no business taking their land. The Israelites did take their land, but it was by the commandment of God. So they did have business because it was God's choice. Because what God chooses is the only thing that's right and just. Remember, God is using the Israelites as a sign to the entire world, to show the entire world his wonders and his power and his salvation, which is his son, Jesus Christ. They're demanding their land back, but they're not going to get it ultimately because it isn't God's will. 14. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon. He's sending an answer back. 15. And he said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. 16. But when they came up from Egypt, and Israel walked through the wilderness unto the Red Sea, and came to Gadesh. 17. Then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. 
But the king of Edom hearkened not, and in like manner he sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not, and Israel abode in Kadesh. He's saying, originally we asked you peacefully if we could walk through your land, and you guys refused to let us pass. 18. Then he walked through the wilderness and compassed the land of Edom. He's saying, we actually had to walk all the way around your territory because you wouldn't let us pass peaceably through. So we had to walk all around in the wilderness and the land of Moab and came by the east side of the land of Moab and they pitched on the other side of the Arnon, but they came not within the border of Moab for the Arnon was the border of Moab. He's saying, we went all around your territory, the wide way. And then we camped on the opposite side of the river that belonged to Moab. So they didn't even camp in Moab's territory. 19. And Israel sent messengers unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land unto my place. He said, We only wanted to pass through your land to get to Israel. We didn't want to take your land over. 20. But Sihon trusted not Israel to pass through his border. But Sihon gathered all his people together and pitched in Jahaz and fought against Israel. Because you guys wouldn't let us pass and you chose to fight us instead, that's why we had to take you over. So it wasn't our choice. God allowed all of this and it was right and just because God was only going to give them the territory of Israel, but the pagans outside of Israel wanted to fight Israel too. So God said, okay, then they can have more. 21. And the Lord, the God of Israel, delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. And this was during Moses' time. 22. And they possessed all the border of the Amorites, from the Arnon even unto the Jabuk, and from the wilderness even unto the Jordan. 23. So now the Lord, the God of Israel, hath dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel, and shouldst thou possess them? 24. Wilt not thou possess that which Chamath thy God giveth thee to possess? So whomsoever the Lord our God hath dispossessed from before us, them will we possess. He's saying, if your God had given you land, you would keep it. And because our God gave us this land, we're going to keep it. It's the same thing that you would do. Now, Chamash never gave them any land. But he was saying, if your God was a real God, you would keep what he gave you. 25. And now art thou anything better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel or did he ever fight against them? He did want to fight them long, long ago. But once they took the land, he didn't try to fight with them anymore. And they've been on it for hundreds of years. Because remember, after Moses died, Joshua died at a ripe old age. I don't know how many years it was between Moses dying and Joshua dying, but it was a long time. And then we've had all these other judges with spaces of time in between each judges. So about 300 years has passed since Balak decided to stop contending with the Israelites. So they've been there for 300 years and Balak hasn't tried to take their land, which proves that even the pagans know that it's their land. 26. While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its towns and in Aror and its towns and in all the cities that are along by the side of the Arnon, 300 years, wherefore did ye not recover them within that time? So he's saying, why are you all of a sudden saying that we shouldn't have this land when all the last 300 years you never said anything? 27. I therefore have not sinned against thee, but thou dost me wrong to war against me, the Lord, the judge. Be judge this day between the children of Israel and the children of Ammon. They got the land 
originally because the pagans wanted to fight them when they didn't need to, because they were willing to cross through. They bent over backwards to avoid offending the pagans, but the pagans tried to kill them anyway, and so God gave them the land fair and square, and they've been on it for 300 years now since Moses died. 28. Howbeit the king of the children of Ammon hearkened not unto the words of Jephthah, which he sent him. Even though Jephthah is talking common sense, the king of Ammon still wants that land. 29. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon Jephthah to go fight the Ammonites. He's taking his army across the land to fight the Ammonites. And this is because Jephthah is in the right. Now notice how he is illegitimate, and yet God is using him as a mighty man of valor, and he's made a good argument. He himself has made a valid argument for Israel, and God is honoring what he said. Plus, God has brought him to be a leader in Israel, even though originally the people didn't want him. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver the children of Ammon into my hand, 31, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Now this is a very foolish promise. Remember, when you make a promise to God, you have to keep it. And that's why we want to be careful and not promise God anything unless we can really fulfill it. He says, in foolishness, and maybe this is because of the bad um, influence of his kind of stupid friends, he says that if you let me win this battle, then when I return home, the first thing I see when I'm approaching my house, I will offer that to you. Now he's expecting to see a sheep, a goat, a cow, whatever that he can sacrifice, but he can't predict what's going to come out of his door. 32. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hand. 33. And he smote them from Aror until thou come to Mineth. From the area of Aror to Mineth, he killed them out of that area, even twenty cities, and unto Abel Cherimim with a very great slaughter. So the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. The Ammonites lost 20 cities and all of the territory in between. They didn't want to fight Israel anymore at this point. 34. And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. She's coming out in joy, singing and dancing over his victory that he's won. And she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. At this point, he realizes how foolish he was, but he made a promise to the Lord. 35. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothing, which we know is a sign of grief. Whenever the Israelites rip their clothing or put ashes on their head, this is because they're very sad. And he said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art become my troubler. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Now he isn't angry at her. He's telling her she caused him trouble, but it's the same way that you would tell somebody you love that they're a lot of trouble. And he's saying that she's caused him grief, but it isn't her fault. She had no idea what was happening, that he had made a promise to the Lord. So she came out to rejoice over his victory, and now she's going to be the sacrifice because of his victory. Now, God is against human sacrifice. You'll notice that God himself never told Jephthah that he had to do this. It was Jephthah who thought that he had to do it. 
we do have to keep our promises to God, but God doesn't like human sacrifice. So I think he could have asked God to forgive him. 36. And she said unto him, My father, thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord. Do unto me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. She is a noble daughter. And she says, Father, you're going to have to fulfill whatever vow you made to the Lord. I'm not going to hold it against you. So it sounds like she's a very brave person, just like her father is kind of a chip off the old block. 37, and she said unto her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months that I may depart and go down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my companions. So what she's saying is, because I'll never have a family, let me mourn for two months before I die. The fact that I'm leaving the world without having children. She isn't sad that she doesn't have a husband. She's sad that she'll never have children and further her father's name. His posterity will now end and his daughter's life will end because he not only made this foolish promise, but now he's going to carry it out. Instead of asking God to pardon his promise and accept a different sacrifice from him. 39. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed, and she had not known man, and it was a custom in Israel. He didn't burn her alive, because with sacrifices you always kill the sacrifice first, and then you burn it. He probably slit her throat the same way he was intending to do with an animal. However, we have to realize God did not tell him to do this. He could have asked God for a pardon and to sacrifice animals instead. 40. That the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in a year. She mourned for two full months. But it became a tradition after that for all of the virgins of Israel to do a four-day journey into the woods to go and mourn for her life. So it became like a perpetual memorial. Both Jephthah and his daughter are very brave and they keep their word. But God can forgive anything. He can be merciful toward anyone, even somebody who makes a promise that they can't keep. But perhaps Jephthah thought that since he was judge over Israel, that he had to be held to a higher standard, and he had to be an example to everyone else. So maybe that's why he didn't bother asking God for mercy. And that concludes Judges chapter 11.